G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. In many respects, money makes the world go round. At least the economy can't live without it. And yet, as good a servant as it is, it's a brutal master. And so many, many people live under the tyranny of wealth. So what, if anything, does God have to say about setting us free? Hi, I'm Bernie Diamond, and thank you so much for joining me again on Christianity Works. Today we're heading off into a new series called Money Matters and we're going to kick that off by taking a look at the tyranny of wealth that's ruining many a life. So let's head into God's Word and please do stay tuned because in a few minutes I'll be telling you about a free booklet called Your Path to Financial Security that I'd love to send you to help you turn your money, your wealth, from being the brutal master that it can be into the faithful servant that it should be. I don't think that there's a single person on the planet who's not affected by money, or at least what money represents, value, wealth. Most of the time, it seems that we don't have quite enough. Some, in fact, many of the people listening to this program today around the world simply don't have enough to feed their families or provide for their basic needs. A safe home, education, health services... In the affluent West, where we have so much money compared to most people in the world, there's so much middle-class debt that it's become a pandemic. People are drowning in personal debt, credit cards maxed out. The cry of a whole generation is that we don't have enough. And yet, by any objective measure, we have more than enough. And sure, economies fluctuate, interest rates go up and down, inflation strikes, unemployment, house prices... All those things affect people's disposable incomes. But why is money such a big issue? And why do so many people who have enough feel as though they don't? That's why we're today kicking off a teaching series called Money Matters, A Kingdom Perspective. Because God's wisdom in the area of money, as counterintuitive as it may seem to you and me, is powerful, it's effective, and it sets us free from the tyranny of wealth. Now, we all, to a greater or lesser degree, are products of our environment, our circumstances, our culture, and wealth in most cultures is a big thing. Not all, but most. It goes with position, power, status, recognition, comfort. Let's face it, they're all pretty seductive things. Who doesn't want to live in a nice house? Who who doesn't want to drive a nice car? Who doesn't want to wear nice clothes? They're all pretty much universal desires, even though they work themselves out in quite different ways in different countries and cultures. There's a basic premise, a central thesis around which our societies and cultures operate. If my needs and wants are met, then I'll be at the very least nine-tenths of the way to being happy and contented and satisfied. This is the central tenet of advertising. It makes the economy go round. If people in the West didn't want expensive clothes, shoes and handbags, people in developing countries wouldn't have jobs. All this leads to trade and commerce, and that's a good thing. And to an extent, that's true. We need trade and commerce. Otherwise, there'd be a lot of unemployed people around. And that's not good. 
But this central tenet of happiness, me being able to have everything I want and do anything I want, also brings a lot of trouble into this world. It's why people argue and fight and have conflict. It's why countries fight wars. It's why people rob banks. Well, maybe you and I don't rob banks so much. It's why people tell little lies on their tax returns. That brings us a bit closer to home then. It's in fact why we need governments, laws, police forces, courthouses and jails. It's why we need armies and air forces and navies. Because ultimately we can't all have what we want. So there have to be mechanisms for dealing with the conflict between individual wants and needs and the social good, the broader good. That's what all these institutions are about, balancing out selfishness in the context of society. We can't all have what we want. It doesn't stop us from trying, of course. I want, I want, I want to win. And so, because money or wealth are powerful, powerful components of winning, all of a sudden, it's as though we become enslaved to them. Why does a family of four need a house so big that they can live in the place and almost never see one another? Why do we need a $100,000 car when a $25,000 car would admirably do and safely get us from A to B? Because we all, to some extent, covet wealth and what goes with it, comfort and recognition. We want to win. It becomes an obsession. People working so hard to keep up appearances, to conform to what appears to be the social norm in their people group. All of a sudden, wealth becomes a tyrant, which is something we're going to look at later in the program. Jesus said, this is in Luke chapter 12, verse 34, he said, for where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. But God doesn't have a problem with money per se. In fact, he has a whole bunch of good advice about money. He has no problem with people working and earning money and enjoying the fruits of their labours. In fact, one of the wisest men of all time, King Solomon, in the Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes, writes this, Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 19. All to whom God gives wealth and possessions and whom he enables to enjoy them and to accept their lot and find enjoyment in their toil, this is the gift of God. So, does God have a problem with money? Nope, not at all. The problem, the problem lies in our attitude towards the money. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, and in their eagerness to be rich, some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains. See, there's the problem. And over these coming weeks, we're going to start exploring not just the problem so we truly understand it and can identify it in our own hearts, but God's solution, God's answer, God's way of setting us free from the tyranny of the love of money in our lives, the plague of desiring wealth, and turning it back to what it was meant to be. Money is meant to be something that serves us rather than something that rules us. But I have to warn you, don't say I didn't warn you that God's solution, as is often the case, flies completely and absolutely in the face of the wisdom of this world. It lies in an upside-down, counterintuitive principle of sacrifice. Listen to this, Luke chapter 9, verse 24. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake will save it. So it's a principle about the whole of our lives as well as our money. The more we hoard money and the more that the love of money runs deeper and deeper in our hearts, then the more we're going to bear the fruit that comes from the root. And the fruit that comes from the root of the love of money, as Paul writes to his young protege Timothy here, is all kinds of evil. It causes us to wander away from our faith in God because of our eagerness to be rich. And as a result, 
we experience pain, lots of it. We end up piercing ourselves with many pains, debt, fear, financial insecurity, a maxed out credit card, long hours of work to pay for this financial madness, many pains. That's why God's treatment for this malady is so radical, so upside down, so counter to anything that you or I, who have the propensity to love money, would ever have come up with. For those who want to save their lives will lose them, but those who lose their lives for my sake, Jesus, will save them. I'm Bernie Diamond, and you're listening to Christianity Works. I just want to take a moment during this short break to share something truly important with you. Whilst money can be a brutal master, something that so many people discover in life, it can also be a wonderful servant. And making that transition in your life is something that Jesus spoke rather a lot about. That's why I'd love to send you a free copy of our latest life application booklet. It's called Your Path to Financial Security. It's full of life-changing practical Bible teaching to help you ensure that money becomes your faithful servant and not your brutal master. And indeed, at the end of each chapter, you'll find some life application questions to help you think through and apply God's Word right into your realities. To request your copy, stop by our mobile-friendly website, ChristianityWorks.com, or give us a call toll-free on 1-300-722-415, and I'll send your free booklet straight out to you in the post. But this is the very last week that it'll be available, so don't miss out. Again, that's online at ChristianityWorks.com or toll free on 1-300-722-415. Now, I've said it before and I'll say it again. Money is a terrible master, a brutal master. Maybe you don't agree with that. Perhaps you think I'm overstating the case just a tad. Well, let's dive into God's Word and see what He has to say about the impact of money in our lives. We're talking together today and over the coming few weeks about the whole subject of money. So many people have so many problems with money, whether rich or poor. Money causes us so many problems. So many people are deep in debt up to their eyeballs. So many people are struggling incredibly with their finances and fear and uncertainty. Then the economy takes a plunge or, or interest rates go up or there are too many credit cards to pay. Or perhaps you have a share portfolio that's your saving for your retirement and you've been enjoying watching it rise like a cake in the oven only to see it collapse as something completely outside your control spooks the share market. There seem to me to be a couple of things tied up in all of this. Firstly, we imagine somehow that our well-being depends absolutely on the house we have, on, on the lifestyle we're being accustomed to, the car that we drive. In other words, if we didn't have those things, if, if we lost those things, that life somehow wouldn't be worth living. And secondly, because we love money, or at the very least, we're prone to loving money and the things we can buy with it, we're afraid of letting it go. When, when you love someone or something, you don't want to let it go. That's why parents who've invested so much in their kids cry when this young adult decides to move to another town to study or to go to work. They love their children. They don't want to let them go, even though the time's come. And before the break, we looked at this verse, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And in their eagerness to be rich, some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains. I want to tell you how much 
I relate to that. Money was always more than money to me before I met Jesus. Money wasn't just money, it was wealth. It had a life of its own. It was a symbol of success and ability. It was something to show off so other people would know beyond any shadow of a doubt that I was a clever little fellow. And so here's what I did. I worked myself into the ground. I ruined relationships. I worked so hard that it made me sick, not just physically sick from time to time, but emotionally sick and spiritually sick and socially sick. I was driven to succeed. And the tangible symbol of that success was money. I know of another businessman who took the sales of a well-known retail chain's computer division from a few million to over half a billion in just a few years. He was the retail guru of the country. Everyone looked at him as the personification of success. He was earning, not surprisingly, big, big dollars. I've heard him share his testimony a few times. He told me how when the whole world wanted a piece of him, when he was the golden-haired boy, not just within his company, but in retailing across the country, he was vomiting up blood in the toilet, hardly sleeping, his marriage was falling apart, and he hardly knew his kids. Let's just listen to those words of wisdom from the Apostle Paul again and let them sink in. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And in their eagerness to be rich, some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains. Do you see how true that is? I wonder if you were just to stop for a moment and think of your life and how you treat money. Let me ask you, to what extent has this servant become your master? What are the things that you're doing to serve this master of wealth that are bearing evil fruit in your life? How is wealth drawing you away from Jesus? What are the pains that you're suffering right now because you just have to have the money? You just have to have the job that's an hour and a half's commute away each way, morning and night, that pays 10 or 15% more than the other job you could have had that's much closer to home. So you don't see the kids and you get up early and you go to bed late and you're exhausted and your marriage is at risk and your children barely know you and you have no idea what's going on in their lives. All for what? 10 or 15% more? Is it worth it? Oh, but if I didn't earn that extra money, I, I wouldn't be able to pay my mortgage. Okay, so what about a smaller house? Will the world come to an end? Oh, yeah, it will, because somehow we've all convinced ourselves that it will if we can't maintain our current lifestyles, each one of us. Do you get it? It is such a sham. It is such a lie. And yet we sacrifice our lives on the altar of this deception, trying to serve the false god of wealth. Hello? Friend, listen to me. Money is a tyrant. It is a brutal master, and if we choose to serve that master, it will tear us apart. By choosing to serve that master, we are piercing ourselves with many, many, many pains. Now, maybe you've mastered money in your life, but many, in fact, most people haven't. The greatest majority are slaves to money. And is it any wonder that as a slave to a brutal master, life isn't quite what it promised to be? Money isn't bringing us the happiness, either because we're working so hard or our expectations are so high that we can't ever meet them or we're so far in debt and the storm clouds are rolling in on the economic horizon. Jesus put it this way, Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. He said, look, no one, no one can serve two masters. For a slave will either hate the one and love the other 
or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And that mammon means the false god of wealth and greed. And the thing with that false god is this. No matter how attractive and enticing it may at first appear, it is a brutal, brutal master to any slave. I'm Bernie Diamond, and you're listening to Christianity Works. As we take this short break, I'd like to tell you about a free daily resource that I'd love to send you to help you draw closer to God. It's called Fresh, a short daily devotional with a powerful scripture verse and some words of inspiration, hope and encouragement delivered right to the inbox on your smartphone, tablet or computer each and every day. Or if you prefer, you can now receive a printed version delivered right to your letterbox. It's completely free. To get instant access either to the digital or the printed version of Fresh, stop by our mobile-friendly website, ChristianityWorks.com. You'll see the Fresh devotional sign-up right there at the top of the homepage. Or, if you prefer, give us a call toll-free on 1300 722 415 to request the printed Fresh devotional. It's completely up to you. That's online at ChristianityWorks.com or toll-free on 1300 722 415. So go ahead, sign up to receive Fresh, and may your heart be touched and transformed as you draw ever closer to Jesus through His Word. Now, one of the best things we can ever do for ourselves is to get on top of this whole money-wealth thing, to get our desires and our expenditure under control, to take the money we have and instead of allowing it to dominate us, bringing it back under control so that it becomes our servant the way it was always meant to be. Money. As we saw before the break, money is a brutal master that, as the Apostle Paul writes, can pierce us with many pains. We chase after this elusive pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, but when we sacrifice our lives to it, all we discover is pain and loss. So what do we do about it? Well, here's the thing. It's a question of deciding who's the boss. Who is serving whom? I've spent so much of my life serving this false god of mammon, this god of wealth, Let's just go back to what Jesus said about this. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. No one, no one can serve two masters. For a slave will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Now, I'd like to unpack this word mammon a bit. It means, Webster's Dictionary definition mammon, the false god of riches and avarice. Riches regarded as an object of worship in greedy pursuit. Wealth as an evil, more or less personified. So it looks like a god, not just some inanimate object. The Oxford Dictionary defines it as the god of wealth, regarded as evil or immoral. Those who worship mammon are equivalent to greedy people who value money too highly. So Jesus wasn't saying here you can't serve God and money. It's wealth. It's this, it's this god of wealth, this desire that happens in our heart. So please, let's not get the idea that Jesus is saying that somehow money in and of itself is a bad thing, that somehow none of us should have any of it. No, he's saying that for some of us, we have an unhealthy attitude to it. We desire it too much, and it's become our God ahead of our God in heaven. That's what he's saying. So the decision, the very clear decision that we need to make, is which of these two gods are we going to serve? 
Because Jesus is quite right. We can only serve the one or the other. If my heart is after God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the one true living God, then as we're going to see a bit later in this series, that's not a course that always leads us to great earthly riches. In fact, can be completely the opposite. Or we serve the God of this world, the God of wealth, mammon, and we'll throw all our energies into building up treasures here on this earth. And the reason we can't serve them both is that wherever we invest our energies in our heart, wherever we store up our treasures, either at the feet of mammon or at the feet of the living God, that's where our heart's going to be. One or the other, not both. Let me take you back to the very first of the Ten Commandments, Exodus chapter 20, verses 2 and 3. God says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. God is the God who sent his son to die for you and me, and he will not have any other God that comes ahead of him in our hearts. So it's the one or the other. Who will be my master? Who will be your master? The God of wealth or the God who created the heavens and the earth and everything that's in them? Have you ever asked yourself that question? Money's a battleground for our hearts. Our allegiance will either be to self and wealth or to God. And that's why I said earlier on the program that God's solution for us is simply not palatable. Luke chapter 9, verse 24, those who want to save their life will lose it. Those who want to lose their lives for my sake will save it. And that applies to all of our lives and it applies especially to our money. The more I try to build up my treasure here on earth, the more I'm going to lose the life that God had planned. The more I'm prepared to give it away, on the other hand, not always all of it, but often a pretty fair chunk of it, the more I'll discover my life. Oh, I know. I know. So many people don't want to hear that. We're going to be talking a lot about this over the coming weeks. God's radical solution to the slavery that comes with wealth that so many people are under in their allegiance to wealth and perhaps a whole bunch of people are going to say, well, I don't need this stuff. I don't want to hear this. Good, don't. But what will happen is you'll continue to be pierced by the many pains that come through the evil that inevitably grows out of the love of money, the root of all kinds of evil. Many, many, many people live their whole lives in those pains. And that's a choice that God gives each one of us. But the alternative, whilst it requires an iron resolve in the short term, is what delivers real life, abundant life, in the medium and longer terms. Jesus again said, Matthew chapter 6, beginning at verse 19, he said, Look, don't store up for yourselves treasures here on earth where moth and rust can consume them and where thieves break in and steal. Instead, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust consumes, where thieves can't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is actually darkness, how great is your darkness? No one can serve two masters. A slave will either hate the one or love the other, or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. So there it is. There's a decision that confronts us. A dog cannot have two masters. A dog cannot serve two masters. But it's not that in serving God, you and I can't have any money. That's not what he's saying. It's about who gets our allegiance, God or mammon. See, if I give my allegiance to the false God of mammon, then I'll be prepared to give up the things of God for the mammon 
that I serve, the wealth, the recognition, the fame. If, on the other hand, I choose to give my allegiance to the real God, the living God, then I'll be prepared to give up the things of mammon for the living God whom I serve. And the reason so many people want to have a foot in both camps is they don't want to give up the things of mammon. Giving away money, ooh, ouch, that hurts. I mean, significant money, more than just the loose change in our pockets or our handbags when the plate comes around church on Sunday or when someone knocks on our door, our front door for the poor. Now, I'm talking real money, something that costs us something. That's why we can't have a foot in both camps. You just can't because these two masters make different and conflicting demands. I remember when I first became a Christian, the notion of giving away even a tenth of my income I I couldn't wrap my mind around it. That's a lot of money, I thought. I was earning a lot of money back in those days. How can they possibly want me to do this? How can God possibly want me to do this? He wants us to do it because he loves us and he doesn't want us to be a slave to wealth, and so many people are. Now, next week, we're going to meet a man who had to make a terrible decision. We're going to see the choice that Jesus gave him and the path that he chose in choosing between mammon and the living God. Let me bring you back to this question, though. Which one are you serving? Are you serving the true living God with all that you are and all that you have? Or are you a slave to the false god of wealth, this mammon? And which one of these two do you truly, truly want to serve in your life? Well, that's pretty much all we have time for today. But before I go, there's something truly important that I need to share with you. This program, Christianity Works, is encouraging so many people in over 160 countries to put their trust in Jesus Christ as their Saviour and their Lord. But that's only possible through the generous support of friends like you. Each dollar that you give towards the ministry of Christianity Works today will help reach almost 3,000 people with a gospel message. So a gift of, say, $35 can touch over 100,000 people with the good news of Jesus. That's amazing. So let me encourage you to give a generous tax-deductible gift of support to Christianity Works today. You can do that right now, securely online, by visiting our mobile-friendly website, ChristianityWorks.com, or by giving us a call on 1-300-722-415. Again, that's online at ChristianityWorks.com or toll-free on 1-300-722-415. Hey, thank you so much for your support and for joining me today. I'm Bernie Diamond, and I'll catch you again same time next week with another message of God's love, God's grace, and God's power for each one of us in Jesus Christ. taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.